0: Okay, we're ready. You've got your candle. Am my candle lit. I'm mentally prepared now. Okay, good. <laughs> Welcome to the Interior Review. My name is Ben. And I'm Truman. We're making our way through He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. This week,
1: a special guest appearance by Vince Vaughn. In the Reign of the Monster, episode 10. We open this time in a twisted rock cavern... There are a bunch of shirtless men who are watching Skeletor try to summon the powers of darkness over a pink bubbling cauldron.
0: He's like trying to summon something or like break it out of this chamber thing.
1: We get a couple of shots of kind of looks like a horse with horns and 80s glam rock blonde flowing hair encased in a large crystal. Can you see his noodle arms in this beginning scene no that's a surprise for later because i seem to remember
0: like it being there with its arms crossed in the ice it was said harumph before it got frozen and it had its arms crossed i don't know if i'm making that up in my head or not
1: what stance would you take before the elder gods froze you in crystal
0: i would try to make some sort of goofy cross-eyed thing just to prove my mom right that my face would get stuck that way
1: yeah that's pretty good So, Skeletor fails to free the horned minotaur and is berated by King Vaughn, leader of the shirtless men.
0: He does not really look like Vince Vaughn. I don't think he spells it the same way either. But it's him. It's totally Vince Vaughn. I want you all, while you're listening to this, imagine Vince Vaughn as Skeletor's counterpart he's working with. So, Skeletor gets mad enough that he, like, slams his little cauldron thing onto the ground.
1: I mean, he is Skeletor, but... It is pretty aggressive, his use of the skull motif on every object that he owns, including the cauldron that holds the pink bubbling liquid.
0: Half of Skeletor's power is his style, right? So he's got to follow his motif whenever possible.
1: That's a fair point. Skeletor whines that the creature has been encased by the elders, and so only an elder artifact will be able to free the monster King Von just happens to know where they can find one. And he didn't think to have used it before or have gotten it before? I do not know. Because as we'll see, it, it does not seem to be that difficult to steal an elder artifact.
0: And it's not very well hidden either, this particular one that they go after.
1: So we cut over to looks like a rock forest. There are little spires of rock that have orange leaves protruding from them. And then above that in the sky on a bunch of discs are some buildings
0: and we've made our way to avion famed
1: avion that's the home of stratos was it as birdie as you thought it would be i mean it's in the sky but they look more like buildings than the nests that i was expecting
0: they're not like bird people they're i mean they are bird people but they don't fly with wings they have like jetpacks so they're people that are cosplaying birds the little discs on the rock spires evoke the thought of a nest in a tree. But anyways, they're there for a ceremony, where there's a ceremony going on.
1: Stratus welcomes He-Man and company. Notably, this time, it's not Prince Adam on the diplomatic mission.
0: I noticed that too, and I wondered why that is, because it's like everybody that would be on a regular diplomatic mission, right? Teela's there, Man-at-Arms is there, Orko's there. But instead of as Adam, he's there as He-Man. And I wonder, is Stratos not friends with Adam? Does he not know Adam? Because he doesn't know Adam's He-Man. And he has a relationship with He-Man. Like he works together
1: with He-Man on stuff. Did he specifically invite He-Man so He-Man would go? Every time we've seen Stratos, has it been with He-Man and not Prince Adam?
0: Yeah, I don't think he's ever been in the same scene with Prince Adam as Prince Adam. Every time that they've interacted, he's been He-Man. Apart from the fact that he's a foreign dignitary, there's no reason for Adam to have interacted with him, I guess.
1: So Stratos has the same low opinion of Prince Adam as a lazy layabout that Tila and all the rest of the folks do. But yeah, this is a celebration that happens once per year. And the way that they celebrate is by using a golden staff, which also has a little skull on it, that was given to them by the elders to make fireworks
0: this is an immensely powerful artifact from an like a bygone era imbued with incredible
1: power and they use it to make fireworks which does not seem particularly respectful of the elders or their power it's disrespectful to the power of zaps it is disrespectful to the power of zaps they do use the zaps strato zaps the sky and that is what somehow produces the fireworks
0: Zaps are all encompassing, but it just feels like a really a waste of them.
1: The celebration is cut short when suddenly a bunch of space invader ships roll up and start firing lasers at everybody.
0: They do actually look like space invader ships. I like the design of them. You think of a ship or like a spaceship being like long and skinny, and these are like wide. And they have like little spiky,
1: TIE fightery kind of things going on on the outside. They do look like a space invader. He-Man immediately jumps on a hover bike while Man-at-Arms and Tila go run over to the photon cannons, which are huge.
0: Absolutely massive.
1: Stratos fires the staff at the invaders to stop their heat rays, which seems like a weird weapon. What would a heat ray
0: be? They're just shooting zaps, right? That's what they're doing. They're shooting zaps because that's what everybody has is little zaps. But is that a heat ray? Are they shooting like a little like concentrated burst of pure heat. I feel like a heat ray would be like a melting beam of something.
1: That's what it evokes. I'm not a physicist myself, but I imagine lasers are hot. So technically, they are rays of heat. Is a ray a specific scientific term? I would guess it means a concentrated directed force, but that I am also just making up he is eventually shot down by the heat rays and crashes. King Von takes aim at Stratos, who's still carrying the staff and flying around, and fires a pair of mechanical arms that snake out and capture him.
0: Yeah, like uh, the claw machine at a pizza place just shoots out and grabs him. And that's how easy it is
1: to capture him and the staff at the same time. He doesn't drop it. He hangs onto it. So while they're flying away, King Vaughn yells, I guess, out the window? Ha ha, this is what will free Malkrum. And then they fly off. And I say out the window because King Vaughn and friends are in their spaceships flying around shooting heat rays. But after the battle, man-at-arms somehow realizes that they have mentioned Malkrum they then decide to go talk to the sorceress to investigate. So you think he rolled down the window to get a parting shot at He-Man and Company? A really bad one. In fact, had King Vaughn not said anything, I guess the story would still progress because they would still go to the sorceress and the sorceress has telepathic vision.
0: So she would know what's going on because she's watching the same show we are. Yeah. Do you think her and Skeletor have a podcast about
1: it, too? I'm glad that they don't, because I don't know why anyone would listen to ours.
0: This week on the Interior Review, the reign of the monster! That's just finishing off the
1: bit. Another bird person approaches. This is Del- who asks them to rescue her brother, Stratos.
0: She asks them to help. They say, all right, I'll go find and talk to the sorceress, because they know the Mulchrom is who's trying to. they're trying to get out. And then she's like, I'm coming with you because I'm the guest star for this episode.
1: Meanwhile, Skeletor is interrogating Stratos. Stratos is chained to a large upright rock back down in the caverns. Dinky Stratos is going to resist Skeletor, which works for about three seconds until Skeletor zaps him. And then Skeletor's cackling face appears in Stratos' eyes. And he is mind controlled.
0: Is that how they did it last episode when they mind controlled the queen of the moon? Did they do a little
1: image of his face, of Skeletor's face in her pupil? Skeletor is mind controlled several people now. And I think this is the first time this has happened.
0: This is the second. uh, Eva Lynn mind controlled the singer. That's right. That's right. But it seems to be a regular thing of mind control. This is the first time they've done the imagery of... Skeletor overtaking his mind through his eyes because the eyes are the window to a bird person's soul.
1: Yeah that is their weak point. We cut back over to the sorceress who has a huge television. She's
0: gotta watch other shows on it.
1: And uses it to uh, tune in to a history episode where Mulcrum is wreaking havoc on the land.
0: So Mulchrom's full body he's like a This is going to make sense, but a Minocentaur. So like a Minotaur and a Centaur together, but also with tentacle arms and 80s hair metal hair.
1: A glam Minocentaur. I don't know how to shoehorn the tentacle arms into that.
0: A horse head with horns and glam hair, human body, except for just tentacle arms without the suckers. They're just like wibbly wobblies. And then a horse body.
1: And Malkrum is the beast that we saw in Crystal earlier. Malkrum used to serve the Torgs, who are apparently the race of shirtless men who live underground, until the Elders imprisoned Malkrum because it was threatening the world of Eternia.
0: The Torgs were around when the Elders were around. How long ago were the Elders here? They're still around now, and they have had... Molkrum encased in crystal for quite some time.
1: Presumably. And yeah, the Torg culture has not progressed very far, or at least the view that we get into the Torg culture does not seem like they're doing that much.
0: They're still culturally about getting their Minus Centaur Glam Squid out of this crystal. Their culture can't have changed much at all if they still remember or still hold up this value of freeing the Minocentaur glam tentacle man to, like, rule the world.
1: Do you think that they have been petitioning Skeletor for thousands of years to help free Mulchrum? And Skeletor the whole time has been... uh, Yeah, I'll get to you next. This week we've got the... uh, Look, I've been so busy working on... Yeah, it's a model of Castle Grey School. It's really (laughs) cool, actually. The drawbridge (laughs) opens... He finally gets around to it, and they're like, oh, well, you need that? Yeah, we know where that is. The sorceress reveals another important and absurd fact, which is that once the staff is used for evil...
0: Yeah, what the hell is that? Okay, once it's used for evil, it has to be used to fix the problem. Otherwise, it will explode and take half of Eternia with it. It is a
1: hell of a failsafe from the elders. Like, if you use this for bad... We're going to blow up the planet. And Skeletor either does not know or does not care about this fact.
0: How did he not know about it? Because he must not have known about it because the Torgs are the ones that
1: had to point it out to him. But the Avion, Avians? Yeah, their city is called Avion. I think Skeletor calls them Birdmen at some point. Birdmen, Bird People. They announce this. They say, here's our staff from the elders
0: that was gifted to us eons ago. So. Skeletor should know that they have that. seems like a big oversight on his part if he didn't know that. And then if he doesn't know that they have it, he must not know that it would explode or he doesn't care. But uh, it seems like a
1: big, it's dumb. It's pretty (laughs) dumb. Go tell. He-Man and friends take the attack track into the caves because they are really trying to sell that toy. They're challenged by an elephant-nosed lizard monster.
0: There's some weird creatures in this episode. Yeah. This one kind of looks like a Pokemon to me. Like it would be a Pokemon.
1: What's the yellow one that has an elephant nose? It's like a psychic type, I think. Oh,
0: drowsy? There is like a elephanty looking one that rolls up into a tire and rolls at things. It's like an armadillo elephant in the second or third one, I think.
1: So a cross between drowsy and that. But huge. It's maybe eight times larger than the attack track. It picks up
0: the attack track in its armadillo monster hands, and they uh, reutilize the electric zap where they electrify the exterior. The armadillo monster goes,
1: ow, and drops it. He-Man and everybody. So on this expedition, He-Man, Ram-Man, Stratos' sister, Delura, Orko, Tila, and Battle Cat. Kind of the whole gang. Except for Lizard Man, he he goes back to napping on a hot rock or whatever. They all jump out of the attack track. That's the last time that we see it. He Man runs underneath the legs of the giant monster, grabs it by the tail, does the old Mario sixty four spin Bowser around, and then launches the monster down into the cave so that they can escape.
0: Isn't that a lot with uh, big creatures?
1: Yeah, he did that with. Yog in the Song of Selyse, I think. But their escape is only momentary because they head straight into the Torgs and Skeletor, who appears right behind.
0: So they fight with the Torgs for a little bit. Is that when Skeletor reveals that Stratos has been cloned for reasons? But not really cloned, but cloned.
1: This is an underground cave, but there are a lot of moving rock doors that sort of slide open and closed. One of these opens and Stratos comes out. Skeletor says something like, aha, not only Stratos, but many Stratos. And then five more come trudging out. They all fly up into the air and start blasting at He-Man and friends with lasers out of their palms. So they're
0: like, they don't want to fight back. They have to figure out which one's the right Stratos because they don't want to hurt the right Stratos. And, uh... They fight for a while. And Delora is the one who figures out the right one because she just, like, calls into the crowd of Stratos' strati. The strati that, like, you know, you're not evil. He's controlling you or something. And then the one that looks like it has a headache thinking about this is the real Stratos. And the rest disappear. They just vanish.
1: Stratos says, now I have my will back, and you don't have your will. And then they vanish.
0: They just disappear. What are they, like projections of Skeletor's mind control over Stratus, like how are that tied together? And also if they were just illusions, how are they actually doing any damage to anything? Also, I have many questions.
1: This did not make a lot of sense. They had to have some corporeality because of the zapping.
0: So they existed. They were, yeah, tangible, but... They, ha- they were tied to the mind control because as soon as Stratos gained his mind back or whatever, they vanished.
1: We cut over to Skeletor after Dolora frees Stratos. Skeletor is commanding the staff to show him the weak point on the crystal. And then after some flashing lights, a large crack appears right on the middle of the crystal in the obvious weak spot.
0: Crystal explodes, Mulchrum gets out, and it just has the worst shrieking sounds, like a giant monkey.
1: It was grating somehow worse than the wailing of the song of selise yeah, and the wailing was at least like like tonal,
0: yeah, the shrieking is all nails on a chalkboard. It's just maybe that's the true power of mokrum
1: so Mulcrum blasts things uh because it has the power of zaps. Do they come from Mulchrom's mouth or its eyes? I don't remember.
0: Sort of its eyes, or more be like a maybe like a third eye situation,
1: where it's coming out of the center of its forehead. But maybe not directly related to the power of shrieking, but
0: it. It's coming from the same chakra.
1: He and friends burst in right as Skeletor is freeing Mulchrom. Skeletor delivers a what? Everybody comes barreling in. Skeletor has done this a few times, has freed a monster, and then effectively propositioned the monster. Hey, I just freed you. Could you do me a solid and destroy my foes?
0: Some quid pro quo, little tip for tap, which is like, you know, awfully trusting of Skeletor. He's like, hey, look, I've helped you out, done a thing for you, you do a thing for me.
1: And it has worked every
0: time so far. It's true.
1: Mulchrum uses wind lasers to blow He-Man and everybody back into a cave and then uses boulder lasers to make a large oh. boulder appear to block the cave mouth.
0: The simplest way and also the most confusing way to describe what happens, Plum <laughs> zaps like the space that they went into. They like go into this crevice and then Mokram zaps it with a zap and then a wall boulder appears and like where they went in.
1: Skeletor then mentions it's time to go off to capture Gray Skull, hands the staff to King Vaughn, and then rides Mulchrum out of the cave. But not before Mulchrum does one more zapping and removes the door.
0: Skeletor hops on the back of Mulchrum, riding Mulchrum like a horse, and zaps the wall, and they just ride off into the sunset together through the hole in the wall. Does he hand the staff off to somebody else, and then like, gives some orders off to like, his underlings, which include, and fix that hole in the wall.
1: I think he actually addresses Skeletor because he says, and when you get back, you'll fix that hole in the wall. But Skeletor is already long gone. Skeletor knows that uh staff is going to explode, and that's why he has handed it off and is hoping to be far enough away or perhaps inside the walls of Castle Grayskull and that will protect him from the explosion that will take out half of Eternia. Or he doesn't know about the staff situation. But then I guess, you know, why would he leave it with King Vaughn and the Torgs?
0: He had to have known because it is a super powerful artifact and Skeletor is all about super powerful artifacts. He would not give it up easily without
1: reason. So potentially well played Skeletor. We cut over to He-Man and company who are trapped in the cave. He-Man starts pushing against the wall, which does start to move out of the way. But quickly decides that there must be a better way to get rid of this boulder.
0: There is a better way. It's punching.
1: Yeah, it's always punching.
0: Just just punch it. it punches a hole in the wall.
1: He-Man asks Ram Man, for some reason, and Man-at-Arms, to join him in going after Skeletor at Castle Grayskull while the rest of the folks retrieve the staff before it explodes. They do this dramatic pause like four times in the episode.
0: So... I think he took Ram Man with him to, like, keep an eye on him. There's no other reason. Like, he has to keep Ram Man safe from harm. He's looking a little punchy today.
1: Yeah, and if Ram Man is left in the caverns, it's possible that he'll charge after a Torg, miss, hit the wall, and then bury not only himself, but the rest of He-Man's friends. So some strategic
0: thinking. Get
1: Ram Man out of the caves. So we get over to Castle Grayskull now.
0: The Sorceress and Mulcrum are having a zap-off.
1: The Sorceress is up at the window that she likes to stare down at the world from and raises a bunch of fire where kind of the moat would be if Castle Grayskull were a normal castle and not a hideous rock creature with a giant skull face for the jaw bridge. But Mulkrum zaps the fire. Mulcrum can do wind... Mulchrom can put boulders, can remove boulders, and can put out fires. So that's the power of earth, air, fire. We haven't gotten water
0: yet out of the four elements.
1: So Mulchrom zaps the fire away, and in its place, these twisted black roots grow up out of the ground. And I think that they are a defense from the sorceress, but it's unclear who they belong to initially.
0: Horseverse is weakening. I think they try to show it that she is. And then they stop zapping, and Morkrum stops zapping and resorts to ramming his head into the jawbridge like he's a ram man. Yes. And then uh, He-Man uses technology instead of muscles. He uses metal rope things out of a cart to like drag Morkrum back from the jawbridge.
1: Just before Mulchrome can ram its head into the jaw bridge a second time, these two metal arms snake out and wrap it up and then start dragging them backward. So in Hemien and the Masters of the Universe, they seem to repeat tricks in the episode. This is the same way that Stratos was captured earlier.
0: Yeah, with the this is more of like a claw and this is more of like tentacles like rope arounding, which is still the same trick. It's still yoinking someone away from something. Just a slightly different flavor of the same trick. They proceed to have a tug-of-war, like a winch cart. So it's like
1: using a winch line to haul back, and the mulchrum's pulling back against it. Meanwhile, Skeletor uses the power of zapping to control the twisted black arms, which grab Man-at-Arms and Ram-Man. We cut back over to the underground caverns. King Vaughn is placing the staff in their vault while orko tila and Dolora look on i think Stratos is there as well
0: orko goes to cause the distraction so this is orko's theme 2.0 that comes in how did you feel about it this is the important questions of this episode
1: like a disco groove i found it to be excellent
0: it was pretty good i thought it was good too so then atila slips into the vault there's some pretty neat spoils of war in there but not as much as i thought there would be for a raiding culture that's been around for presumably thousands of years it's like a demon holding uh everything everything's gold in there there's a demon holding a diamond that's like a, the size of a pumpkin there's an upside down like big skull that's used as a bowl to have a bunch of gold pieces in it demon head held by a hand that has a snake coming out of it with a foot at the bottom There's some like lizard thing with jewels strapped to it and like a golden dragon thing
1: with jewels on top of it. Maybe it's a quality over quantity kind of situation because they are pretty sweet.
0: They are pretty sweet, but those are like the things that are in there. And there's one pile of gold that's like pretty sparse. And they like cut, pan over all this. And then there's like a big empty space of room. And then there's the staff leaning up against the wall.
1: They do not show very much reverence to the staff of the elders. King Vaughn confronts Tila right before she can grab the staff and the guards free from their distraction, chase Stratos and friends.
0: I didn't know that Stratos could has the power of zaps because he like shoots zaps out of his hands, pulling his weight as one of the masters of the universe. If only Ram Man could learn that power. Where do you think Ram Man? I don't even think he could. But if he could learn how to use a zap, where do you think? What do we shoot it out of? Like his forehead? The top of his
1: flat head, I think.
0: The straight up.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, Mulchrum is tugging against He-Man's cart. He-Man realizes that he's not going to win this tug-of-war battle and flies off on a hover bike that was attached to the... I think they called it a battle cart, but it was hard to understand.
0: Yeah. I don't know how he held out as long as he did, because... like. Sure, the winch lines that shot out of it were probably strong enough to hold on to Mokrum, but it could not have had the weight class, like, to stay on the ground against it. Because Mokrum's a big dude, or big Centaur tentacle glam core guy. But it had to have been weighed down the wheel part of it that it separated from. Maybe it had a bunch of weights in it or something, because otherwise it wouldn't have had the power to, unless I guess he did rolled really well in his grapple check.
1: You would think that a creature that the elders feared enough such that they encased it in a crystal would not have a lot of trouble against, yeah, dinky little cart that has metal rope arms wiggling out of it. Mulchrom grabs He-Man in its tentacles, so the sorceress decides to help by turning into a bird and then flying up to Mulchrom's face and flashing really brightly. Oh, flashbang. Classic technique. Mulgrim is only momentarily blinded and smacks the bird from the sky.
0: Does it manage to get He-Man free? Or is he still captured by the tentacles?
1: I think it does free He-Man. Because He-Man runs over to the downed form of the sorceress and asks if she's okay. And she like nods and then flies back mm-hmm. up to the tower. Skeletor takes this opportunity to start zapping the drawbridge himself.
0: His zap is pulling the door towards him. Tractor zap?
1: Yeah, tractor beam zap. Back underground, Stratos is pinned down by the Torgs shooting lasers. So Orko and Delora have to figure out how to save him.
0: I don't understand why Delora doesn't have also hand zaps to shoot. Is it a species thing? You'd think that all bird people would be able to do this.
1: They do mention that Stratos is king of the bird people. So it's... The power
0: granted to the king?
1: Yeah, possibly. But Delora makes do by finding the power of Zaps. She and Orko commandeer one of the space invader ships that we saw earlier and fly in the caverns, which I guess must be extremely large, and shoot all of the Torg guards.
0: The power of Zaps was within her all along.
1: So Stratos... Dolora and Orko rush over to the treasure room to see if Tila needs any help. She does not, because she's extremely capable and has already tied up King Vaughn.
0: I like that Tila always doing stuff like that. Oh, we better go help her out. She's like, nah, I got it.
1: Tila tells Stratos to the staff back to He Man before it explodes. Explode. What Wonder what the staff's gonna do.
0: Do you think it's gonna explode?
1: You no, know, if I had to bet. So Stratus flies across the world and throws the staff to He-Man who grabs it and starts to command Molkrum, but Molkrum zaps the staff out of his hand and charges He-Man.
0: And then we find out the true power in Eternia has always been and always will be muscles because He-Man just picks up Molkrum. He just picks him up, just straight up picks him up.
1: Yep. And throws Mulchram into a heap or something?
0: I guess. I didn't even really understand. He just picked him up and did something with him, and he was, like, defeated enough that they could do what they needed to do.
1: Yeah, so Hemian rushes over to the staff and throws it into space.
0: Is The sun explodes up there or whatever.
1: Yeah, he launches it into the sky, and the scene cuts over. You can see the curvature of the planet... So it's in like low orbit and the staff mm-hmm. is flying up there and then explodes into the same fireworks that we saw earlier in the episode.
0: Stratos each year has basically been lighting off like a portion of a nuke yes. into the sky.
1: Yeah, so they can see the pretty colors. And the question that I have here, so the staff explodes in fireworks. We cut over to Mulcrum, There's like lightning that rains from the sky and then suddenly the screen flashes and mulchrum is imprisoned in crystal again just yeah so the question that i have here he-man attempted to use the staff to banish mulchrum but was unsuccessful because it got zapped out of his hand when he-man threw the staff up into space was that it exploding the sorceress said that it was going to explode if evil was done with it think so i thought it was but now i'm not sure and so is this another episode where the key man and friends take almost no action and the situation just resolves itself because the staff was going to explode at some point and then molkrum was going to get imprisoned again presumably
0: so does is the explosion just re imprison molkrum or is it like something else but yeah that's the same thing with the wheel of time episode or the Time wheel, whatever that was, when they went back in time. The wheel of infinity. That's what it was. Some sort of wheel with some sort of time name. And yeah, he just chucks it into the sky and it resolves itself. But this is like an extra layer on it where another problem they had that was the more pressing problem. Not the more pressing. They're both half the world explodes, evil demon out, and he just goes into crystal.
1: That is a good point that this is the second time that they have... Taken something that was supposed to explode and destroy a pretty significant part of the world, and detonated it in space. So maybe the reason all of the plants and creatures look insane in Eternia is a, like deep cellular damage from radiation sickness.
0: Could be. I bet you that's what it is. But you're right that like they didn't do any direct action. To resolve any of these issues apart from chucking the spear into space or the staff into space. And it resolves itself. And if they had done nothing, the spear would have exploded, probably blowing up quite a bit of stuff.
1: The Torg's underground, but the distraction of Mulchrum does give Skeletor (laughs) enough time to overpower the sorceress. The jawbridge lowers, and just as Skeletor is about to claim victory... He-Man comes up from behind and grabs him.
0: Gives him a good old bear hug. Skeletor gives his, my Skeletor official trademark quote of the week. He-Man's, we've got you this time. You're not getting away. Skeletor like sounds like disappointed. Very well, He-Man. Another time. And then he just disappears. He just like vanishes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was great. He jukes him. He's like, all right, I give up. Bye. And He-Man does not even pretend to be disappointed that for the 10th time in a row, they have failed to do anything meaningful against Skeletor. (laughs) He-Man says something like, yeah, it will be waiting whenever you want to show up again.
0: Again, taking the reactive role and letting Skeletor do whatever he wants, putting countless people's lives at risk.
1: Everybody celebrates back at Avion, uh, child has constructed a toy version of the torg spaceship and chases after orko trying to blast him with tiny zaps and everybody laughs
0: have every episode ended in people laughing at something silly i think most of them
1: definitely most of them
0: everybody always throws their heads back in laughter usually something silly that orko does
1: yeah it's a pretty common device in he-man
0: so episodes over You've seen all there is to see this week. What do you think you learned from this episode?
1: This is a uh, this one I guarantee felt...
0: you you're not gonna get it right, by the way. <laughs>
1: yeah, this one felt pretty hard because there was not a strong theme. But here's what occurred to me as I was watching. Mulkrum is buried underground in the caverns, encased in crystal. And you never know what you're going to discover when you start digging underground so the moral of this episode is to call before you dig so that you don't hit a power line or a water main
0: (laughs) call julie call (laughs) 811 oh yeah that's does really good and that is a valuable important lesson to all our listeners call before you dig you get a free (laughs) call every year your yard located before you plant a tree or put in a fence but the real lesson from this episode has no bearing it no makes no sense for this episode don't eat strange foods that you don't <laughs> know where they come from so orko looks at some fruit on a tree and says boy the fruit on that tree looks good enough to eat doesn't it that's like a lot of things you might find around your house or in your neighborhood but looks can fool you sometimes things that look or smell good can make you very sick remember never taste or eat anything if you're not sure what it is the best thing to do is ask a grown-up who knows remember It's better to be safe than sorry. Until (laughs) next time. What? Yeah. Don't eat poisonous berries. Okay. Important lessons for children to learn.
1: It seems like more of a prevalent lesson for attorney where there's just a bunch of wacky shit growing everywhere. That may or may not
0: be radioactive.
1: But in the year 2020 or whatever, we did have the whole Tide Pods thing.
0: It did look tasty. I don't even know. It does smell good, but it can make you very sick. So if all the Gen Zers that were eating Tide Pods and seen this episode, they would not have done it. That's true. Remember the
1: lesson Norco taught them. Or maybe that was 2019. I don't know. Time is meaningless.
0: Yeah. Time is straight up meaningless right now.
1: So I have two thoughts for this episode. Man at arms. Eyebrows are jet black and his mustache is bright red. Which of those two things do you think he dyes?
0: His mustache? Do you think he uses the same brand of hair dye that Prince Adam does? Because he also has jet black eyebrows and has blonde hair.
1: That's true. Do all
0: of them have jet black eyebrows?
1: If that's the case, then they must be dyeing their eyebrows.
0: Yeah. It's just the style on Eternia to have jet black eyebrows.
1: Which is maybe the reason that Skeletor is bent on... Eternia, because he does not have the opportunity to participate in that fashion trend.
0: You know, it's a exclusionary trend against Skull people, and he doesn't get to be included in that. I was wondering, in this episode it happens, and it happens in other episodes, is why does He-Man get to ride battlecat,
1: and everybody else walks? Because it happens often enough that I've noticed it. So you would think that of all the things that Man-at-Arms has invented maybe like hover shoes or at the least we have wheelies today
0: or like just he-man would walk with them and not ride his best buddy battle cat like a beast of burden
1: who is clearly sentient and talks do you think that he-man is showing off absolutely it's a power play he's putting himself above everybody else on that same subject i did notice that stratos for walks he
0: always flies places he always swoops in from off screen and everybody comes up to something and like lands.
1: Yeah, even when they're in the caves, which presumably have like low ceilings, he's mm-hmm. doing the full out horizontal Superman flying.
0: Does he have a jetpack or does he float? Because he like floats. Or is it like a magic thing or does he have a device? Is my question. Is there a thing he's using or does he just inherently bird people can just float and fly like that? Because he has like wings on his arms, but they're like decorative wings at the tips are not like actual flappy wings.
1: He wears like a harness over his chest. There's some art that has like an actual jetpack coming from his back. Speaking of things that are both very weird and do not make any sense.
0: Excellent segue.
1: The attack track. Does
0: not make sense and is very weird.
1: Usually when you see a vehicle in a children's show like this, you're looking at the repeated cool actions that it takes and getting really excited about the toy that you're going to have that does the same thing. So G.I. Joe has a helicopter that shoots missiles at Cobra people.
0: Cobra. That's the name <laughs> of the thing. It's just Cobra.
1: At Cobra. So I guess, yeah. My 80s cartoon credit does not run very deep.
0: Absolutely does. You have 10 episodes of a He-Man <laughs> cast. How much more credit can you get? Anyways, you were saying.
1: So you you see the helicopter that shoots the missiles at Cobra, and you can immediately imagine the like $40 plastic toy that has the little spring-loaded missiles that you can fire at your cat or whatever before your mom takes them away from you?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The thing that we've seen the Attack Track do... Twice thus far is electrocute the person that holds it.
0: Yeah, so that's it's like big selling point. You have just a thing that's gonna zap you when you hold it.
1: Yeah. Do you think that they considered putting that into the toy?
0: I really hope somebody brought it up. Have somebody is hey, we should do that. I'm sure it was shot down. I mean, they have those games. do they have a game when we were like in high school, mid 2000s to 2010? where like you hold on to like the metal handle and then like it electrocutes you. But there's four of them. So everyone like you hold on as long as you can. Whoever holds on the longest wins. And everybody's getting zapped at the same time. Yep. So it has been a toy, not designed for children who watch Saturday morning cartoons, but it is funny. That is what the Attack Track keeps doing. So I have one piece of trivia and one batshit theory.
1: Yeah, I like both.
0: All right. So the piece of trivia is that From This is from the wiki. This is the only episode out of 130 in which Prince Adam does not appear. He's always He-Man this episode.
1: Wow. Yeah, I guess you would expect that to happen at least a couple of times, given how much better at everything He-Man is than Prince Adam. Yeah.
0: I wonder how many times that the inverse is true, where he never does any He-Man thing. I don't think they would ever do that, because the whole point of the the show is to have he-man there
1: yeah and they already had the moral like <clears throat> you don't need superpowers to be a hero trying yeah. to make the poor villagers feel better about themselves during the mm-hmm. creeping horack episode
0: it would be an interesting writing challenge for the writers to write an episode without he-man showing up in it
1: an episode where ram man saves the day
0: though no, this is we don't want impossible tasks
1: here <laughs> <It's> just fun <laughs> challenges Someday he's gonna do something like useful, and I'm gonna feel real bad. I think he did successfully ram an enemy at one point in the series, but at what cost? His own sanity. Yeah. One concussion at a time.
0: All right. So what's your what's your theory? Skeletor is an elder. So the staff has a little skull on it. Every the castle, gray skulls, a skull. Everything we've seen from the elders has been. Powerful and evil, like the staff exploding when something bad happens is like super punishing for whoever doesn't fit the moral code of whatever the elders decided. So Skeletor could have been one of them or grown out of that. And maybe he's like a descendant of an elder, but he's the only skull thing that exists that's a creature. And yeah, that's my theory.
1: Yeah, even actually the creeping Horak that we just mentioned, which was something that they used to do during the elders uh, day also mm-hmm. super grim so did the elders realize that they were like terrible corrupt creatures and mm-hmm. decided that they needed to leave attorney except skeletor was having too good of a time like running around cackling
0: maybe or they're like greek gods and he's like a descendant of the main el- or one of them or he's like a demi elder, a demi god, and there could have disappeared for any number of reasons. And he's just descendant of elder blood, which is why he thinks he's fit to rule all of Eternia.
1: Yeah, I guess if he were an elder himself, he could have freed. Geez, I already forgot what the Minotaur oh. creature.
0: They had the Minotaur 80s rock tentacle horse man. Yeah.
1: Minas centaur.
0: The Minas centaur. I could
1: have freed it by himself. Yeah, because you would have
0: the power of an elder. So you can't be pure blood or pure elder.
1: So an elder has relations with a mortal. The power of the elder is too much for the human half-elder creature's body to bear, and Mm -hmm. its flesh melts off, leaving an animated skeleton that (laughs) cannot participate in the heavy black eyebrows trend and grows resentful believing that he should serve as you know the rightful place for him as the ruler of eternity such that he can set the fashion trend exactly it yeah. is all coming together <laughs> i really do like the descendant of the elders theory that's a good one in
0: this episode calls them mortals he says foolish mortals i'm gonna win or something
1: he does yeah it's a good one i'm just
0: asking questions here
1: yeah that's cool 10 episodes. Congratulations. Yeah, this feels pretty good. I feel accomplished. It means we've been doing this for roughly two and a half months. Oh, we have, haven't we? Mazel tov. Congratulations. Only 120 more to go. Yep. Oh, you got anything else? I do not. All right. Remember, folks, call before you dig. We'll see you next time <laughs> on The Attorney Review.